Live from Nashville, Tennessee, this is the Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. song was along the Navajo Trail. Join us today and back. We missed you last week, but our co-host, Bobby Jean Bell. Hey, Bobby. Hey, Gary. Hey, Gary. Yes, I missed being here last week, and what a great show. I really enjoyed it, and it made me miss you all the more. You and, and, <laughs> and Dave and uh, Mark Bedore, it was a terrific show. <laughs> well, we had, we had a lot of talking uh, with both of those guys and uh, but we did miss you 
But we are back Thank together you. again. And uh, and for folks that may be listening, I hope I'm not breaking up or not breaking up too much because I am traveling and I've got a kind of poor cell service where I am. And uh, so we may be a little challenged today. But if we are, Bobby will just take over and do most of the talking along with our guest, who is the <laughs> fabulous and amazingly talented Bobby. Yes. Oh, yes. Who is our, oh, I'm sorry. Who's our guest today? <laughs> <I> was, <laughs> and you weren't breaking up. That was just a pause. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. Well, we are so excited. We have Lacey J. Dalton joining us again. The last time we chatted was 2019, so we'll be catching up with her and listening, listening to her great music in just a few moments. And who do we have in the second hour? Well, in the second hour of the show, we're going to be talking with Jen Rosser, who is with Bishop Mule Days out in California, and with her on Saddle of America Day. But right now, let's take a listen to a great song from our friend, Miss Lacey Dalton. It's called Taking It Easy, and when we come back, we'll be visiting with her today on the Campfire Cafe. Go where the warm winds blow me I just want to ease my mind I want to run through the sand and the sun Leaving it all behind Watch that old moon rising On the horizon Turning from gold to blue It's just making it easy Taking it easy Somewhere far away, those night birds call my name. I can hear them singing love songs just for me and you. For a million summer nights, this dream has been the same. It's just you and me and the stars. I want to go where the warm winds blow me I just want to ease my mind I want to run through the sand in the sun Leaving it all behind Watch that old moon rise on the horizon Turning from gold to blue It's just making it easy Taking it easy I look into your emerald eyes I just want to take you far away I know you deserve to live in paradise Babe, you know I'll get you there someday I want to go where the warm winds blow me I just want to ease my mind I want to run through the sand 
Welcome back to the award-winning Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. We just heard Taking It Easy, performed by today's featured guest, Lacey J. Dalton. Lacey J. Dalton's voice, once heard, you'll never forget. People Magazine called her country's Bonnie Raitt. Her soulful delivery, full of texture and grit, has been a mainstay of country music. When you listen to a Lacey J. Dalton album or catch a live performance, you'll find yourself pulled in by the very power and heart of this vocalist as she brings each tune to life. Her successful singer, songwriter, and performing career spans many decades and includes numerous awards, including Grammy nominations, top rankings on the Billboard Country Charts, three prestigious Bay Area Music Awards for Best Country Folk Recordings. She has appeared with or opened for a who's who of top musical acts like Neil Young and the Grateful Dead. She has recorded duets with George Jones, Willie Nelson, Glenn Campbell, and many others. A multi-talented performer, she has also been seen on the big screen on stage and was the host of a weekly radio show, Mustang Matters. On a personal note, (laughs) when my husband and I first started listening to country music in the mid-80s, Lacey J. Dalton was one of the gals that we looked forward to always with new music coming out. And if anybody had ever told me that one day I would chat with her... Not once, but twice, I would have just not believed them. Please help me welcome to Campfire Cafe an inductee into the North American Country Music Association International Hall of Fame and a woman with a heart for horses, Lacey J. Dalton. Welcome, Lacey. Hi, Bobby. Hi, guys. It's really, Gary, it's great to be with you guys again. And I understand that in Albuquerque, the sun is shining just like it is here up near the old town of Virginia City, up above Reno, Nevada, and Gary is in Nashville in the rain. <laughs> it's wet. You guys are rubbing it in. I'm telling you. I know. I, it's cruel. But, I'm you know, you. Actually, Gary, I, I, miss, I really miss the rain living in the high desert. We don't get enough mm-hmm. of it up here. And uh, I, I grew up in uh, northeast Pennsylvania where we had these incredible thunderstorms. And I miss that. I, there's something about a good thunderstorm that just makes oh, everything yeah. so fresh afterwards. The smell. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the ozone in the air or what what it is, but there's something about the rain. I love the rain. I, lo- I miss it very much. Well, I like this rain on the roof. So if I'm in a barn you know, with a tin roof on, <laughs> oh, I love that. Get much better than that. Then sweet smell of hay and horse jumping on some mm. rains. That just oh. good. That good. Life is good. Well, yes, you talked sir. about you talked about being from uh, Pennsylvania, and one of the questions that I had for you, and I don't think I've ever asked this question, but how did you end up from Pennsylvania, Nashville, Tennessee? Oh, well, it's kind of a long story. <laughs> we got time. <laughs> um, I used to uh, work, we had a huge county fair in Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania, and it was as big as the Minnesota State Fair, and there was a big racetrack there, and they did trotting horses, standard bread, and trotting horses. And uh, underneath the grandstand, there were all these concessions, and we used to sell the kids, as kids, we would go down there, and, you know, we'd be on this hard concrete floor from 8 o'clock in the morning till about, oh, probably 9 o'clock at night by the time you got cleaned up. 
and wow. uh, your feet would literally burn in your sneakers. I mean, it would, we were on that concrete floor for so long, but I was selling jewelry there, and we were thrilled because at the end of the week, we'd get $100. Oh, wow. So we were, you know, and, and we worked That was a name. lot. It was, I mean, it was the the height of your year, and the fair was wonderful. It had, there were a lot of Amish people who came up from the Amish country, and they brought the most wonderful cheeses and wonderful preserved stuff that they made, and the food was unbelievable. In Pennsylvania, food is a big deal. You know, food is love. You got the Pennsylvania Dutch there, which my people uh, were Pennsylvania Dutch. And you've got the Amish, and you've got all kinds of Italian, all kinds of immigrants in Pennsylvania with all this wonderful Polish food, and all of these things would be around that fairground. And it was just, it was just so fun. They had more animals there. In the in the old days, they would have a chicken barn with maybe maybe two or three hundred varieties. Of oh wow. Maybe wow. maybe forty varieties of pigs. Many about every possible uh, brand of horse flesh that ever walked the earth. In all these stalls, beautiful lipizzaners and tiny Shetland ponies and and hackney ponies and every every beautiful horse you could imagine. So the fair was a big deal there. And every year I worked for Big Joe Ryan from Philadelphia. Big Joe at the concessions <laughs> under the grandstand. And so we, uh, we we kids all looked forward to it. But when I was uh, 20 years old, I still was doing it. I was back from wherever I had been. And um, I was uh, selling jewelry, and right across the way was this long-haired hippie guy selling psychedelic posters. <laughs> and we fell in love across the way you know i went and talked to him and he would come and talk to me and and we decided that we were going to run off to california and we were going to form a a, a psychedelic rock and roll band okay out in in the on the west coast so we got in to his uh decrepit uh little car (laughs) i had to sit sideways in this car and hold the door shut. And the minute we left Tunkhannock, Pennsylvania, there was a snowstorm that did oh. not stop. I turned 21 on the trip and had my first legal bottle of alcohol, which oh. unfortunately was Uzo, which I will never drink again as long as I live. <laughs> but it was cold. I mean, we were sitting. I was sitting sideways in this Carmen Ghia. I had $20 and a suitcase full of books, and my dad. Oh wow. Well. Wow. And so uh, Cousin John, who was the guy's name, and I ran off together, and we joined a commune in Capitola, California. But it oh, was amazing because all the way across the country, we were in a snow-driving snowstorm. And I'm sitting sideways, freezing, holding the door shut. When we got to the California border, up at State Line, um, we suddenly the storm stopped, and the sun came out like a million promises. And there were icicles on all the pine trees up there. I always thought California would be ugly because I, uh, the only thing I knew about California was the Net Funicello and Elvis movies. I thought it was like one long orange Julius stand. I had no idea how beautiful Northern California was. No idea whatsoever. And when the sun came out there at State Line up at Lake Tahoe, the sun came out. And it was glittering, and the and the icicles mm. were dripping, and the sun oh, wow. was shining on these icicles, and the sun was so huge, and the lake was so beautiful, and I thought, I am where 
I always knew I would have to go to California, and I dreaded it. Really? Well, I thought it was like one long Orange Julius stand or beach movie. (laughs) And I had no, I had no, you know, I'm a hillbilly from Pennsylvania. What did I know? Uh, And I got there, and it was just like, this is the promised land. This is where you belong. This is why you've always felt like you had to come here. And, and, you know, Spirit actually said, you know, really, I know best. You should really trust me more. (laughs) (laughs) And so we formed a psychedelic band, and it was stupidest name, called The Office. And we were in that whole uh, psychedelic hippie movement that went on with the Grateful Dead and uh, Neil Young. uh, Santa Cruz is where I ended up. It's a beautiful town on the coast um, of California. And I lived up in the mountains there in the beautiful redwood forest in these incredible cabins um, that were magical. And that's a magical place. It's getting very, very overpopulated there now. But still, those Santa Cruz Mountains where I lived um, is still a very, very magical place. And while I was living in those mountains, I always, and even though I was writing all this other music, I also would continually write country songs. Okay. And my longest friend, Mary McFadden, came out to visit me uh, from Pennsylvania, she had just uh, gotten a divorce, a divorce from her husband, and she was in a in a recovery mode. And I was sitting in my little mountain cabin with these diamond pane windows, looking out on a beautiful swimming pool that was filled with spring water that you could drink. And oh wow! And there were these oleander trees all around it. And I was sitting in this thing, and I was writing a song. I put on a pot of coffee, and I started writing this song. And my friend Mary was asleep in the loft in the next room, and I went and I said, Mary, get up. <laughs> I said, get, come down and have coffee with me. I'm working on a song, and you're in the perfect mood to help me write it. And we wrote a song called Crazy Blue Eyes. Oh, wow. And that, that was the beginning. That was in about 19, I want to say, probably 78. And we wrote that song, and I made a recording of it in a garage in in a studio in Santa Cruz down in town that was owned by a friend named Noel Gott. And uh, so I had this recording, and I made this little record with them. And uh, I happened to send it to an old friend of mine who was a very famous criminal attorney in Los Angeles. His name was David Wood, and he had actually done the, you know, he'd been the one to uh, prosecute the... um, the Hillside Strangler. Oh, he had been involved in oh, that oh. whole case, and he was—he was quite—he was, was quite a famous and flamboyant man. He kind of reminded me of Colonel Parker. <laughs> oh wow! <That> was, <laughs> so uh, I sent wow. him this record, this record that had crazy blue eyes on it, and he didn't recognize. I had gotten married in the meantime, and he didn't recognize my name because I had been when he knew me. My uh, maiden name was Jill Byram. I had married John Croston my band's manager. Yeah. Right. And so my name was Joe Cross and he looked at me and he didn't recognize me from the picture on the on the C D and just put the album in an album then, big thing, put it in his uh bookcase and one morning, six months later he was shaving and he put the record on his record player and he immediately recognized my voice and he got so excited and he called me and he said, I'm coming up there in my jet I'm coming up there in four days. Be ready. I'm bringing you down to Los Angeles, and we are going to make a demo record. And you know, and you can't do any of this other music you do. You have to do country music. That's it. Yeah, yeah. So um, find some songs or write some, and you're coming down here. 
So he came up to San Jose, and he got out of this uh, private plane in this white suit. <laughs> he really just looked like Colonel. He really looked like Colonel Parker. I had, uh, you know, and I got in his uh, plane with him and went down to L.A. And he lived um, down. Uh, he lived in the towers down at the harbor, in a beautiful mm-hmm. apartment. And mm-hmm. uh, he took me there, and we wrote we wrote some stuff together. And then uh, we went into the studio with some of the, oh, some of the greatest L.A. musicians who later became famous producers in Nashville when they went to Nashville. Wow. Uh, wow. People like Billy Joel Walker and John Hobbs and folks like oh, okay. that. Okay. And um, we made a, a demo of Crazy Blue Eyes and a few other songs. And he sent them out to the record companies. They had offers from all the record companies, every single one. Wow. Including including Mick Jagger's record company. Really? And Mick Jagger had um he was in the middle of a divorce with his wife Bianca, his ex wife Bianca. Right. And right. he didn't move quickly enough. But Al Gallico and Billy Sherrill from CBS Records were very aggressive and they really wanted to sign and they wanted to sign me right now. Wow. Wow. And that is how it all began. Wow, wow. Well, guess what? We're going to play Crazy Blue Eyes right now, and (laughs) we're going to come back and talk more with Lacey J. Dalton today on the Campfire Cafe. (laughs) Mom, I always love losers. Mom, I never will change. These young desperados who can't be tied down have driven me almost insane. Mom, I never pick winners. I've only myself to blame. But I'd rather gamble on a young desperado. I've always loved a good game Why do I fall for those crazy blue eyes Those mavericks who won't settle down But I never could stand the touch of a man Who'd brand to keep me around Sorry, known what I've done from the start. I've chosen men I could love with my body, but none I could touch with my heart. Why do I fall for those crazy blue eyes, those mavericks who won't settle down? But I never could stand the touch of a man who brand me to keep me around. Why do I fall for those crazy blue eyes, those mavericks who won't settle down? But I never could stand the touch of a man who brand me. 
me around I live till I die Believing the lies Cause I love those crazy blue eyes Crazy blue eyes Well, we're talking with Lacey J. Alton on the Fire Cafe, and that was her great song, Crazy Blue Eyes. I guess the song that started everything. But, uh, Lacey J., I want to ask, how did you go from Jill to Lacey J. Dawson? <laughs> well, that was a difficult transition because I always thought if I go to Nashville, they're going to make me bleach my hair blonde. And probably get big boobs, and I'm probably going to have to change my name. And I really don't want to change my name. I just don't want to do that. Can't I just be who I am? But no. Uh, my I, There was a period of time where I was in Nashville in one of the hotels, and I refused to speak to Billy Sherrill because he was insisting that I chase. He says, no, Lacey. He goes, Jill. He goes, Jill. Jill's okay. you got to find an outlaw. You're an outlaw. You've got to sound like an outlaw. Jill's crossing it, and nobody knows how to pronounce it. They're going crouton, croton, what, you know, yeah, nobody yeah, knows. Yeah. Nobody's going to get this. You have to change your name. He says, find a name that sounds like an outlaw and do it quick. Oh, well. <laughs> I was I was so serious. I wouldn't talk to him. And I, I, was, I was talking to uh, my friend who was a mutual friend of my manager's. I was not speaking to my manager. I was not speaking to Billy. And uh, you know, I was everything was being relayed through my friend in San Jose, who was my mutual friend with my manager David Wood, and it was really <laughs> stupid. But I finally, it finally occurred to me they probably knew more about selling records than this hillbilly from Pennsylvania, so I probably ought to be, you know, intelligent and choose a name. And so I thought, right. well. My first uh, guitar partner was a guy named Michael Bellinger, and he had uh, this. His wife had the coolest name, and um, her name. Oh my gosh! Now I'm, I'm not even going to remember it. Oh, it was um, Lacey something. Lacey B. Walker. Wow! wow. And I thought, well, wow. if I ever wow. have to change my name, I'll change it to Lacey B. Walker. <laughs> so I go in and I and I and I say to Billy, I say, "All right, you know, you win. I've changed my name to Lacey B. Walker. Is that outlaw enough?" And he said, "No." He said, "It isn't." And he said, "And there are too many Walkers in the music business anyway. Find uh-huh. another last name." Right. So in my travels, uh, somehow getting from Santa Cruz to L.A. back to Santa Cruz to to you know having a record deal. I had run into a woman by the name of Karen Dalton, who is really a treasure. Yeah. yeah. A, a treasure. She was. Uh, she sounded like Billie Holiday. You know. Yesterday, anyway, you made it. <laughs> she, you know, she sounded like she was an Indian woman actually from Enid, Oklahoma, okay. half Indian, uh, beautiful woman who uh, had this incredible phrasing. And I got to live with her for a while in Los Angeles, and she had a tremendous influence. Uh, I don't sound anything like her. I wish I did in a, a lot of ways. But um, she, just by doing what she did as well as she did it, um, and, I, you know, Bob Dylan, she actually uh, helped Bob Dylan learn how to play guitar, and he remembered her in his book. Oh, wow. Uh, she's she's really quite famous in, in a very under played way. I've had uh, probably 50 writers 
called me and asked me to talk about her. But I took her name to honor her. Wow. And Dalton wow. became because it was the Dalton gang. It was uh, it was enough of an outlaw name, and that we all agreed yeah. with Lacey J. Dalton. And I would still be yeah. Jill. That's what the J is for, because I'd been Jill for 33 years or something. That was another thing. You know, when I got my record deal, they were all so horrified that I was so ancient. Oh, <laughs> yeah, were, yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh, yeah. you know, somebody 33 years old. Oh, my. They, in the New yeah. York Times said, it, what is it when the great white hope of country music is a 33-year-old waitress? And it was like, <laughs> oh, please, please, it's not like I'm a Methuselah. I just wish they could see me now because I still perform. I'm still writing, and as a matter of fact, right now, I'm uh, writing a project called For the Black Sheep. And uh, that's uh, it's kind of a it's a spiritual but non-religious kind of a thing. Okay, another and, record, um, record, record thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Uh, okay. I'm, gonna, I'm working on the project. I have about I have about 13 songs already, but I want to be very, very careful about the way that I present this. Okay. Um, because it's for people who have, as I did, and I must admit to you, that when I left Pennsylvania and I left the evangelical world, um, I left it because there were things that I could not agree with. There were right. things like being gay is bad. Right. I don't think that's true, and that is certainly not what Christ said. Christ said, love God with all your heart, mind, and spirit. Love your neighbor as yourself, and that is the whole of the law, and that is what I came to teach. If you're doing okay. anything other than that and you're calling yourself a Christian, when we call ourselves Christians and we don't do that, well, that's just not right. So right. Uh, this, this is going to be – this will be a somewhat controversial uh, – for some people, um, but if they are truly Christians and they love God with all their heart, mind, and spirit, and their neighbor as themselves, um, and love themselves, which is the hardest part of that whole equation, I think. We spend our right. whole lives learning how to love ourselves, and um, and I think we all need to spend more, a little more time doing that too. Well, I think so, but I, I, the reason I ask is because that gives us an excuse to have you come back again. Because then we can share this new project. So it's a good thing. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm always thing. I'm always happy to come back, and I'd be happy to to share uh, to share this this music. Some of it I've already put out. I had a a song called "Standing Knee Deep in the River and Dying a Thirst," huh? and one of mm-hmm. one called "Heart of Hearts Stay Open," and another song called "The One Thing Worth Calling Your Own." And I may use some of these songs that have been on other other projects. Okay. Uh, along right. with the new songs, I'm writing a song. Uh, writing, I'm in the midst of writing right now. And right. Um, you know, songs like uh, "Love the Sinner, Hate the Sin," and "Devil by a Different Name," and and, uh, and the latest one I've written is called "Jesus Was an Outlaw After All." Oh, I mm-hmm. like that. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. So, uh, so I'm walking that fine line. I don't want to offend anyone, but I do want to call attention to when we they were Christians. That means that means it's a pretty narrow thing there. Love God with all your heart, mind, and spirit. And love yourself and love your neighbor as yourself. And that's it. And all the other that's laws it. are based upon that. that so there's it. my that little is. spiritual spiel for today. Well, thank you, Reverend Dawson. We appreciate that. <laughs> You're very welcome. God bless all you, right. my son. <laughs> Well, let's go back and listen to a song that you were talking about before the show started. And uh, and 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 you said you made a whole lot of money off of this. That's everybody makes mistakes. 
So <laughs> Actually, it was the most played song I ever had. Uh-huh. And I never made it and I never made a penny from it. I know. <laughs> That's the sad story. That is the music uh, business time and again. We'll get you. <laughs> it'll get you. It'll get you. So tell us about this song. How did you come to write this one? It was written in that same wonderful cabin up in the Santa Cruz Mountains. Okay. Um, after a love affair that was, you know, where you and I've done this a few times in my life. You um, love somebody and you trust them completely, and um, you find out that 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 just wasn't the case with the other person. They didn't feel yeah. really feel that way. You may have thought, and they may have said they felt that way, but that was not what that was not what was really happening. And it's very easy to make those kinds of mistakes in love. It's very easy to um, fall in love with someone. And I always, of course, liked the wild and crazy musicians that I was around. And um, musicians are notoriously uh, wild and crazy. Uh-huh. <laughs> you uh-huh. know, ladies love ladies love outlaws. It's just the truth. I, I, need to, I needed to have remembered that when I was younger, you know. <laughs> anyway. You mean you weren't that kind of guy? You weren't you weren't an outlaw kind of guy? Mm, I'm not going to say. But anyway, let's. Including <laughs> <laughs> the fifth, are you? <laughs> I am. I okay, am. Gary. All right. All right. All right. Well, let's take a listen to everybody makes mistakes, and we'll come back and talk more with Lacey J. Dalston today on the Campfire Cafe. Just a token Stranger than I love Even stranger than you see The honesty I thought we had Was some crazy thing I dreamed Another B-grade movie Or life's big silver screen Where the king of hearts He always takes the queen Everybody makes a mistake. Everybody makes a mistake. Everybody makes a mistake. Everybody takes and takes. Take my love. Love for taken. Break my heart, my heart's for breaking. And the strangers that we love are often stranger than they seem. The honesty we talk about is someone's crazy dream. Another B-grade movie or life's big silver screen. By the king of hearts, he always takes the queen. Ooh, ooh, baby. Ooh, 
Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody takes mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody takes and takes. Everybody makes albums you can find it on is a great collection called Anthology. Um, I have a, a I, I have so many things that I have to, but I have to just pick one. So, um, of course, you have this tremendous career. You've been discovered as a songwriter. You're, you're, um, you're, you change your name. You find yourself, um, you know, working out of Nashville and such. But you're also an electrifying performer. Um, there is a, there is a leap that has to go from kind of being a you know a songwriter to actually taking the stage. Um, could you maybe talk a little bit about how how you created stage shows? You know, did you get coaching and guidance, or did you just know exactly what to do? You know, when you take the stage. Well, I think you learn by doing. You know, I started uh-huh. out in bars, and I learned how to keep people's attention with certain types of songs. But as a songwriter, a lot of times you, you don't really, if, if, if you have hits like I've had in the past, a lot of times people want to hear those hits. So you must give them what they want and what they need from you. And there is, and thank God I've written some of the songs that were the big hits. Because um, there are, uh, like, I never get tired of playing Crazy Blue Eyes. I never get tired of playing Everybody Makes Mistakes. You know, some of the some of the ones that I've written I never tire of. Some of the others that I've recorded that may have not been, uh, and some that are written by other people I never get tired of recording, but uh, of playing. But there, it, it's hard after, you know, 40 or 50 years of playing the, mm-hmm. the songs. It's like, holy cow, you know. Um <laughs> Uh, I've been playing this thing for 40 years. Please, Lord, help me find the fire. Help me find the fire. Uh-huh. To right, right. And, a, and a lot of times your shows are not long enough that you can put in too much of your new material. 
So you have to weave those new things in, and a lot of those new things that I've written that are on the anthology CD are quite different from the hits, quite different. Um, I did redo some, of, and I was so glad that you played the anthology version of Everybody Makes Mistakes because I think the guitar work is so much more uh, interesting on that cut. It was I did that in my own house, in my own studio with my own band, and they really wow. understand my music. And I think that some of the hits that we redid, and I did them very close to the originals because I didn't want to – I'll never forget when I first heard – do you know the rock and roll song Layla by Eric Clapton? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. and I heard him. He redid it years later, and it was like, Layla, you got me on my knees. And it was – I went, oh, I so miss the passion. Uh, that it was in that first recording, and I thought yeah, I didn't yeah. want to. I didn't really want to do that to people, so I stayed fairly close to the original arrangements, and even copied some of the licks so that it wouldn't be unfamiliar to people. But it would be my little English on 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 the hits. So I put some of the hits on the second release of the Last Wild Place anthology. First, I did the Last Wild Place, and that was all new material. And then I thought, you know, my people really miss hearing some of the old stuff. So we went back in the studio and we did uh, six or seven songs that were important to me on um, on the anthology. And I, those I got to do with my own band in my own studio. So there's a little bit of difference uh, in those, and I prefer them. I generally mm-hmm. prefer them. A black That's coffee pretty much stayed the same. You know, there are some of them in 16th. They pretty much stayed the same as they were. Um, but mistakes was we put a little different English on that one, and I so enjoy singing that song. I I really do. I think I was born to sing in a minor key for one thing. <laughs> 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 but um, uh, it, it's a uh, it's it's been um, it's been interesting um, coming down onto the stage from being a writer. You have to make sure. I try to tell a story. I try to take people on a on a trip. When when I perform, yeah. I start you know in the past, and I said you know let's 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 just go back into the past. We're going to jump in the time machine, and we're, go, we're going to go back 25 years to blah blah, and I'll do a song, and then I will say, and you know, and I would never would have written that song if I hadn't heard this great song growing up by Hank Williams uh, Senior. Mm-hmm. I I I bring people along, and a lot of times I will have audiences that are half really hard country fans, and half hippies. And I try to bridge. I try to bridge uh, that whole difference thing and make the music appealing to both groups if I can. Some things mm-hmm. just never going to work for one group or the other. But you hope that if you've, you've tied them in, you've uh, and brought them along enough so that they're going to, even if that's not exactly their cup of tea, it's a cup of tea they think. Well, I might. I might enjoy that. If it had a little sugar in it, I might like it better. I don't know. It's like, you know, I think what I do, what I try to do is, and I learned this working in casinos, because when I worked in the big casinos, people generally didn't know who I was. I was just somebody there that came with their package. And I had to learn to play to a great, broad variety of people. So it was excellent training. And sometimes I worked 12 weeks a year out at Harris in Reno, and up in Tahoe and the Pepper Mill and, and the, you know, the, the Nugget and places like that. And there's still some casinos right. where I work. And you, when you play to those audiences, still some of them have no idea who I am or what I ever mm-hmm. did. So I have wow. to 
I have to bring them along um, in a very gentle way. I try to I try to really, you know, I, uh, make sure that they're having a good time. And I do funny songs. Like I have a song that starts, my favorite new lover is made out of rubber. <laughs> Some people say it's a sin. <laughs> you know, you can imagine where that goes. It actually ends up being my rubber ducky, my rubber ducky in the bathtub. But I, have, I also have a song called Thirty Six Long," and you can figure where that one goes. Uh-huh. I do a lot of I do a lot of funny stuff uh, to, because if you can make people laugh, then you you really have given them a whole uh, wonderful entertainment. But then you might do something very deep and very sad. So you want to offset that with something that maybe isn't so deep and sad, something that will make them laugh and, you know, break the tension. And uh, and hopefully by the end of the show, you have a big enough ending that when people leave, they're going, wow, that yeah. was really neat. That was really yeah. a fun show. Mm-hmm. That's how I like mm-hmm. to do my shows. And it is very different. Singer-songwriter stuff, when you're playing alone in a small place to a very intimate uh, uh, group that is a whole different thing mm-hmm. that is a whole mm-hmm. different way of performing and yep. um, I fortunately I had about uh, probably 15 years of folk singing before I ever became a country star so I had a lot of a lot of years in little places playing you know exactly what I wanted uh, and and I had to learn I had to learn to go away from that uh, a bit because a lot of times in the casino people aren't really listening they're just there because you're mm-hmm. there they yeah. came mm-hmm. with their package and they're having a steak yeah I hate you need to keep it lively and you need to and I learned very early that you got to do about three up-tempo songs in order to buy yourself the space to do something really insightful and mm-hmm. deep so there's a lot. To, there's a lot, to, and I'm hoping that after a year of being uh, not performing, that I can still do it when I go back out. I've got some shows coming up at the end of June and one at the end of August. I'm doing benefits for uh, for the Wild Horse Groups here. And so uh, I'm we, going I have to a, stop you. I'm going to stop you right there because right. what we're going to do let them run. Oh, all right. And cool. When we come back, we want to talk about your foundation and what you're doing with the horses. Okay. All right, Gary. All right. Thank you. All right. So this is Let Em Run. This is Lacey J. Dawson. We'll be right back on the Campfire Cafe. Don't you break them 
about your foundation, the Let Them Run Foundation. Thank you. Uh, thanks a lot, guys. Um, the Let Them Run Foundation, we actually formed it in about 19, I want to say 99, and we filed for our um, uh, 501c3 very soon after that. But we, the lawyer that we went to uh, to file it screwed something up with the paperwork, and we never really got the paperwork for the 501c3 till, until 2003. But wow. meanwhile, we were doing things like making this CD, and um, this CD was so fun. I got together with everybody in the area that I knew liked horses, and everybody donated a song <laughs> and all of the proceeds forever from that song to the Wild Horses. And we oh, wow. made hundreds of thousands of dollars with that CD to help the Wild Horses. Um now uh, I'm really sort of part time now with the with the foundation. We um, we do as a matter of fact I'm doing two benefits: one in uh, the end of June or the 19th of June, and one on October or I mean sorry I'm sorry August 27th um, up at the famous Piper's Opera House. We're at the Red Dog Cafe uh, Saloon, which is a very famous old saloon in Virginia City, on the um, uh, 19th of June. And then again in August, um, I'm doing a show with my friend David John of the Comstock Cowboys. He's a fabulous Western songwriter. He writes historical songs um, mm-hmm. uh, that are Western in character, and he's written um, umpteen CDs, and they're really good. And I'm very, I'm a very big fan of David's. And so when we do uh, these shows, the one we're doing in August, we will have he will have his fiddle player, and I will have my guitar player. And we will trade off songs that we don't normally get to do in our regular performances. These will be singer-songwriter things that people haven't heard. 
And we did one two years ago in February, and it was the most successful show. People were just begging us to do, please come back and please do that show that way again. They said, we have never had such a wonderful time. We were uh, supported by the uh, 601 Vigilance Committee, which is a charitable organization out here based in a historical um, vigilante committee, a vigilance committee, uh, which was actually made up of the fine gentlemen of towns in the West who, when they thought that the bad guys were getting away with murder, the local bankers and the the wealthy people of the towns formed the 601 Vigilance Committee, and it went all the way back to the Civil War. And if somebody was really out of line and they weren't getting punished for it because they had ways of paying off the uh, the judges or the juries, um, the Vigilance Committee would go and take care of it. So wow. this this Vigilance Committee doesn't do that, but it does raise money for charitable organizations and all the money from the um, and we're doing this in the historic old Piper's Opera House up in Virginia City, which is a beautiful music box of a place. I used to be on the board for it. Um, it's got a proscenium stage, which is a stage that slants down from the back to the front, and is just. I did a whole. I did six sold-out performances of Annie Get Your Gun on that stage oh, without fun. any without any amplification. Uh-huh. That's oh wow! Uh-huh. How wonderful the room is it's yeah, just a wonderful yeah. room it's a it's just a treasure treasure chest and a music a beautiful music box in the in the old town of virginia city which is about eight minutes from where i live i live down mm-hmm. in the highlands which is a um uh, an area that has one and ten and forty acre uh ranches little ranches and ranchettes i have a little ranch here and i've been here for this will be my 23rd year Wow. Up here wow. in the in the high country, and that's what that song was about. That let him run. Um, mm-hmm. There was an organization up here called the Virginia Range Wildlife Preservation uh, uh, Organization Association, VRWPA, and they had a fabulous president named Olivia Theomengo, who was became my very good friend and mentor about wild horses. She'd been in horse rescue forever and ever and was an incredible team. As a matter of fact, I spent about two hours on the phone with her right before I called you this morning. Um, and it was I hadn't talked to her in a long time, and we caught up in a lot of things. But this song I wrote for her and for the VRWPA to raise money for the wild horses, and it's been raising money for the wild horses ever since. And that song was written about where I live in Story County, up near Virginia City, which is an old mining town. Uh, which mm-hmm. is exactly like it was uh, 150 years ago. I mean, it really mm-hmm. has not changed. They don't allow Starbucks or anything modern in there. They haven't gentrified it. Wow, it, that's it's amazing. Just, well, it's it just amazing. amazing because if you go to a lot of old Western towns, they've all been – they look like movie sets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. This one yeah. – Virginia City here doesn't. In Virginia no. City, Nevada, it's just like it was, and they have they mm-hmm. have a place called The Way It Was. Uh, museum it, and and they we've, they've really done a good job of keeping the old um, plank wood plank sidewalks and stuff. It's a fun place to visit if you ever get out to Reno. It's only a few minutes up the mountain from Reno, Nevada. So if you're down in uh, Reno and there's gambling up there at the top of the hill too, they've got some gambling parlors. Parlors. They have some very good places to eat normally that's been a little rough during the COVID thing because they're small businesses, but a lot of them have hung in, and they'll be here 
for the tourist season this year, assuming that we can open up, and we're I think we're supposed to open up in in um, uh, in June. Um, the state is 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 uh, lowering the requirements for masks, you know, uh, if you're outside and stuff. So I think mm-hmm. they'll probably be able to survive. Some of the a lot of the little shops have gone out of business. It, this COVID has been it's such rough. a such a trial, such a trial. Yeah. Been rough. Well, did I answer Dawson, your question? You did. You did. Kinda. You have you have been so much fun <laughs> to have on the show today. And uh, <laughs> give us your website. Tell people how to pick up music and contribute to the Letter Run Foundation. Well, you can either go to letemrun.org. That's L-E-T-E-M-R-U-N.org, or you can go to my website, which is LaceyJDalton.org. D-A-L-T-O-N, and Lacey doesn't have an E. It's just L-A-C-Y. <laughs> Letter J, D-A-L-T-O-N. Well, that was before the name Lacey became Lacier. My gosh. Well, you've been too much fun, and you're going to have to come back and visit with us again. So, Well, I, I've enjoyed my visit, and I always do. And I wish you uh, both the best. And please, please uh, give my very best regards to Mary Kay, your wife. I will. I will. Thank uh, you I so much. Thrilled. And, and Bobby, you to your husband. Thank right. you. I well, know. <laughs> if I would I would get shot if I did not play 16th Avenue. So we're going to close. <laughs> I would. I'd get shot. So anyway, we're I would close too if I leave it out of a show. Oh my word! <laughs> <laughs> I'd be hanged. <laughs> They'd hang me. I, I'm telling you. Anyway, let's listen to this, and we'll be back in just a minute. Lacey, thanks so much right. for being with us today. You betcha. It's yeah. been my pleasure. From the corners of the country. From the cities and the farm With the years and years of living Tucked up underneath their arms Walk away from everything Just to see a dream come true So God bless the boy to make the noise On 16th Avenue With a million dollar spirit and an old flat top guitar They drive to town with all they own In a hundred dollar car Cause one time someone told them About a friend of a friend they knew Who owns you no way studio on 16th Avenue Now some are born to money They've never had to say survive And others swing a nine-pound hammer Just to stay alive They're cowboys, drunks, and Christians Mostly white and black and blue They've all dialed a phone, collect a home In 16th Avenue But then one night in some empty room Where no curtains ever hung Like a miracle Some golden words rolled off of someone's tongue And after years of being nothing They're all looking right at you And then for a while you go in style On 16th Avenue 
Oh, it looks so uneventful, so quiet and discreet. But a lot of lives were changed down on that little one-way street. They walk away from everything just to sing for me and you. So God bless the boys who make the noise on 16th Avenue. God bless all the girls who make the noise down on 16th Avenue. From the corners of the country, from the cities and the farms, with the years and years of living tucked up underneath their arms. Well, it's time now to saddle up America on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. And when we come back, we'll be talking with our friend Jim Rosser with Bishop Mule Days. We'll be talking mules on Saddle Up America. But right now, let's take us to a great song from my friend, Mr. Dave Stanley. It's called Come Ride With Me. We'll be right back. Come ride with me. It's time to saddle up right away. There's so much to see. Don't worry, I know the trails, I know the way I caught a gentle horse, his eyes are big and brown He's ready to carry you the whole world around Come ride with me, let's ride away Come take a chance I'll show you where the mountains touch the sky It's a horseback dance And we can ride forever if we try A dream in the distance There for you to chase Out in the sunrise with the wind on your face Come ride with me Let's ride away And the smell of the leather The sunlight on your skin They've got us aching to begin The rumble of her beats Much stronger than wine The dust in your hair The light in your eyes Come ride with me I will run the hills and watch the eagles soar It's where you want to be So tell me just what you're waiting for I will camp near the meadow And we'll love the night away And saddle up again When the dawn is turning gray Come ride with me Let's ride away Come ride 
sunlight on your skin They've got us aching to begin The rumble of her feet's much stronger than wine The dust in your hair The light in your eyes Come ride with me We'll run the hills and watch the eagles soar It's where you need to be So tell me just what you're waiting for We'll camp near the meadow And love the night away And saddle up again When the dawn is turning gray Come ride with me Let's ride away Come ride with me Come ride with me today Come ride with me Come ride with me Come ride with me Oh, come ride with me Well, our friend Mr. Dave Stane, come ride with me back to Saddle Up America on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. I'm your host, Gary Holt. My co-host, Bobby Bell, out Albuquerque, and we are talking with a good friend, Miss Jen, about Bishop Mule Days. And uh, you don't know Dave Stamey at all, do you, Jen? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> I love that song. <laughs> uh, oh, gosh. Well, Dave has played at Bishop Mule Days for several years in Riders in the Sky. And, and uh, who's who's performing this year? Well, gosh, you guys, I guess I have to be the one to break this. We're the co you know, we don't live in Arizona or Texas or Tennessee. We're in California and it's just yeah. a little different here. Um, we are not able to really have indoor events yet. So okay. we had yeah, we had to post we we had uh, some great music lined up. I think we're we're gonna have them back next year. So um we're we have no concert this year. We're gonna have some outdoor uh music kind of for atmosphere with a lot of local musicians kind okay. of on our outdoor stage, but um no concert, no opening night supper. That's where Dave is usually played. So we're just gonna put all that on hold uh, until next year. <laughs> well, you know the good thing is is that Mich- Bishop Mule Days is back. So that was not the case last year, was it? That was not the case. You know, we were, um, a lot of the things we do for Mule Days take place, you know, we have to sign contracts, and a lot of setup takes place um, mm-hmm. October, November, December, January, and last year we were going full throttle and everything just got shut down. We we kind of tried to persevere, but it just was not to be. So what we did is we postponed, and <laughs> we postponed to uh this year, Memorial Day weekend um, in Bishop, California, at the Tri-County Fairgrounds. And what we had, thankfully, a lot of really gracious people from our guests and visitors and our vendors and our sponsors and our RV campers, uh, almost 60% of our our reserve, all of our attendees paid it forward, we call that. So, in other words, mm-hmm. instead of asking for refunds, they said, you know what, we believe in this show so much, we're going to, you keep our our uh, ticket prices you keep our reservations and keep going so wow. that allowed us to come mm-hmm. back this year 
So wow. here we are. We're in planning. I, I got to tell you, we didn't think a year ago that we'd still be here. But we're really? still coming out of, uh, well, in terms of uh, with the COVID situation. You're right. You know, in California, mm-hmm. we've got this blueprint for a safer economy from our governor. And our county just came out of the most restrictive tier a couple of weeks ago. So our restaurants are just opening up. We're just able, we just got approvals from all the various agencies last week. And so everything was sort of uh, ready to go, but nothing was approved to go until last week. So we're, wow. we're, wow. we're going to get it done, but <laughs> be different. <laughs> we're, we're going back to our roots, which is just fun and mules. All righty, all righty. Very simple. <laughs> So for our worldwide audience out there, because we've got people that are listening in China. I don't know who's interpreting, but they're listening in China and mm-hmm. uh, and all kinds of countries out there. But folks that may not be familiar with Bishop Mule Day, mm-hmm. explain what that is and what it's about, and then we'll just kind of get from there. Okay, sounds good. Well, Bishop Mule Days was started in 1970, and we got we have kind of a unique um, location out here. So we're right on the eastern flank of the High Sierra Nevada Mountains on the eastern edge of California, right on the border of Nevada. And we have a long-standing history with mules out here. A lot of times people don't think of mules in the western part of the United States, but explorers came west with mules, a lot of the... Um, settlement that occurred in the mid-19th century, that was done with mules, and a recreational a packing industry developed out here in the Sierra, started at first for geological service surveys, then it was uh, to supply mining camps, but ultimately in the early 1900s, uh, I'm sorry, the early uh, 20th century, the recreational packing industry developed, and that was to take tourists from other parts of California in to see these beautiful mountain reserves. And these areas have all been dedicated as wilderness areas now since the 1960s. They're only accessible by either backpackers or equine travelers. And so there's quite an industry of uh, packing. And that led to the idea of launching a show to celebrate these pack mules, mules who were part of the freighting that brought supplies west, mules that were part of the mining, mules that were part of the timber industry, the hydroelectric industry in California. A lot of those uh, agencies used mules to develop their uh, hydro uh, facilities up in the mountains. So mules have been a big part of this world, and we we uh, decided, well, our, our predecessors decided that needed to be celebrated. Uh, and in 1970, uh, the first show was, was held, and we have everything. What we do is we demonstrate the versatility and the passion, uh, the versatility of the mules and the passion of mule handlers. And we have everything from packing events to dressage events and jumping to gymkhana, roping to English pleasure, and everything in between. So we have a heck of a good time. And over the last 50 years, it's grown to include donkeys. It's grown to have a worldwide fan base. We have visitors come from all over the world for this event, and it takes our little rural towns of four to 5,000 people, and they swell up to about 15 to 20, 25,000 in some years. Oh, wow. 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, I have not made it to Bishop Mule Days yet. I've been to Columbia Mule Day and uh, in Tennessee. But I've got to yeah. make it to Bishop Mule Day, and it's really funny, uh, Jen. I was I had we had Meredith Hodges on the show the other day, 
and yeah. uh, and I mentioned that I knew you and the Reese brothers back in Tennessee, yeah. and uh-huh. everybody knows everybody. It's like what a small world we have. You know, she's in Colorado, <laughs> you're in California, they're in Tennessee, and it just doesn't make any difference, does it? I mean, it's just it's just one big no. family. It's yeah, good. It's all about the mule. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The mule family is, is tight and close no matter where we are, whether we're in Tennessee or Columbia or California or Great Britain. Um, we're, a, we're a close-knit world. We have a lot of fun, and we're drawn together because we're pretty passionate about these mules. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's great. And, and to me, it seems like, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me like there are more people that are riding mules today than ever before. Would you say that's right? That's true. Or, that's yeah. true. Um, I, I would say, you know, when I was a kid, you know, there was a few people out here that rode mules, and certainly they were ridden back east, but really they were more part of the agriculture world. And then, of course, out here they were part of packing, but packing. people really didn't yeah. think of them as saddle mules or saddle animals. And I would say that they have grown in popularity uh, just consistently year over year, while other industries, other parts of the equine industry have ups and downs, mules have consistently gained in popularity. It's just sort of a, a unique thing that um, once you become a mule fan, you don't ever go back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say what I started to say, but yes, I can understand. <laughs> we, love our uh, we love our mules. And you, when- when you look at the program for this event, um, and I could and I could tell you, like, once again, like I said um, when we talked to you two years ago, the website for Bishop Mule Days is fantastic, and you really get a good sense of what is going to go on. Even if you just kind of pretend like you're going to register yourself for an event, and you look at over these days all of the different events. It starts on Tuesday, May 25th, right? And then it goes through Sunday, May 30th. Uh-huh. Yeah. And um, some of the events, I know we're going to want to talk about the parade in a moment, but I was looking at um, speed driving, chariot pole <laughs> bending, and chariot barrel hoops. Okay, I want to know about the chariot events. <laughs> Well, my goodness, first thing I have to tell you is those competitors, they are a whole breed unto themselves. Let me just say that. Uh, They have longstanding, uh, year-long sort of competitions with each other, and they're in training year-round. It's a big thing to them. We think they're kind of just part of the entertainment to them. It's it's a big deal. Serious uh, business. They work. Oh, yeah, we've got one of our world champion chariot racers. He lives north of Reno and a, another another gentleman that comes from the California coast. And they work on their teams. They work on their chariots all year long. It's a big deal. Anyway, so we had to come up with more events for them than, than just the chariot racing. They wanted to do more, and the crowds love it. So we come up with all these crazy things for them to do. And we're always a little concerned what might happen, but, you know, they pull it off. (laughs) Nobody's flipped a chariot in too many directions yet, but we have to kind of tell them, you know, we're in California. This is a highly litigious state. (laughs) Be careful. But anyway, no, caution to the wind. Just get out there and have a good time. And their mules are all for it. Um, 
I've seen these guys race those mules and then they'll go out and hook them to the Reno rodeo stagecoach and take queen in the parade or one of the guys, he goes to the Rancho Vista Dory's ride every year, which is a, you know, very elegant event and, you know, give carriage rides with his teams of mules. So these are good mules, but they, something snaps and they, they just put on a wild side. I don't know what it is. (laughs) It's a crowd. Okay. And then, and what, what is the big, big balls, big balls in mule town? What event is that? So they have huge, big uh, beach balls, and they have to take them in the chariots. And the drivers and teamsters, the regular drivers do this too, like the teamsters, and they have to get it through a hoop or they have to get it through a a, kind of a a goalpost or something. So they have to pick these things up and drive and carry them. It's crazy. Oh, how fun. (laughs) Who, who Who needs that kind of entertainment that you used to have? On the <laughs> who needs those concerts when you have things like this? Um, okay, and then um, just indulge me because I got two more to ask about. So there's musical tires and the mystery pack con- mystery pack yep. contest. Yep. So musical tires is a big crowd pleaser. Of course, we have some of our entertainment in the arena, like Frankie Punkin Town Smith. He he comes from Texas via Tennessee. And he's a heck of an entertainer. So he gets out there in musical tires, as as do some of the other guys. And they kind of have some fun because they dress up and they have their little costumes. And they torment those poor mules and riders, something terrible. So they kind of... They kind of pick who they want to win, and then they torment everybody else. And so we end up with oh, mules, dra- mules dragging people all over the arena. The mules always win, but um, it, it's kind of entertaining. I I just look the other way. But uh, the uh, my- mystery packing contest is uh, really part of our essence. So Mule Days was started by packers, and uh, the idea was to showcase packing contests and the mules that, that travel the trails of the High Sierra. So this is something there are other mule shows, like you said, Gary, the Columbia Mule Day. Yeah. None of them ever fe- featured the packing. That was unique to Bishop. Some are right. now starting to add that. But um, so we've always kept on our toes, adding things that display the packing. And we have uh, what's really popular, the Packer Scramble, where you have teams come in, three packer or four packers, three saddle animals, and five pack mules. And some people ride saddle mules too, but turn them all loose, unsaddle them, turn them all loose. They get riled up, and then you got to, after the gunshot goes up, you got to catch them, pack them, and then run around the track. Oh. It's pretty wild. Wow. The mis- wow. The mis- wow. Yeah. So the mystery packing is you come into the arena, all the teams are out there, and you don't know what's going to happen. So you might have a whole pile of stuff you have to go pack. You don't know what it is. It could be the kind of stuff you'd see if a tourist showed up on your packing dock one morning. It could be wheelbarrows and PVC pipe. You never know. Oh, wow. Um, It might be out there, and you might have to go through an obstacle course at the same time. So it's sort of a a mystery until you get out in the arena. So it provides some pretty good entertainment, and it really challenges our packers. Yeah, uh, yeah, Leah Leah and I have done that a bunch. We did it as kids, and and we did it about 10 years ago when uh, we had the equine herpes virus, and our attendance was way down. So we, we threw together a pack team, a bunch of oldies like us, and I had a great time. So we we still go out there. Last year, we or two years ago, we didn't go out. But uh, it, it challenges you. And sometimes it doesn't pay to be the fastest. Sometimes you have to think smart. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. And the last one I wanted to ask about is the Dolly Parton race. Oh, dear. Oh, wow. Oh, dear. 
<laughs> oh, okay, I can imagine so, that one. <clears throat> okay, I think you probably can. It's basically one of our fun <laughs> events. So I, I don't want to miss the fact that we have a lot of serious events. But the fun I know, events. I know. I, I'm so sorry. I'm not talking about dressage <laughs> and all of the fabulous, you know. Yeah. So, and the mules are extremely elegant, but the fun guys really do provide some fun for our, for our uh, visitors and spectators. Although they really love the the raining and the cutting and the and the dressage and the jumping, but the the Dolly Parton race. So you get one of these crazy guys on his mule, and and of course he's wearing a big giant forty four triple D, you know, brazier. And they have to run down, stuff their brazier full of water balloons, and run back. I'm not sure how that race is judged. I'm not really even sure what happens. But usually it's chaos, and there's multiple heats, and everybody loves it. And then we say, who cares? Uh, we, don't, we don't get too worried about the rules out here. So, oh, anyway. gosh. That's Dolly Parton. It's a crowd mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Bobby Bell, are you ready? Are you ready to head to? Bishop Mule Days now? You know, all of the years we lived in California, it was a place we really, really wanted to go. And we had lots of friends um, that went regularly. And we had a couple vendor uh, vendors that we knew that went regularly. And it, you know, we always thought we'd do it. And then we moved and it just didn't, oh. you know, happen. But um, okay. I know last time you were on, Jen, we also talked about the Alabama Hills and we talked about Lone Pine and, and right. um, that's, you know, doesn't happen on this particular weekend, but you, you're in that part of the state that is, well, all of the state is historic. I mean, there's just things that happened everywhere, but yeah. a really, really important part of the state and a, be- a really beautiful, beautiful area. Um, so I don't know, Gary, maybe, you know, it'll be back on the list of things we'd really like to do. You need to put it on, so. on your list, your bucket list, but, uh, I want to yeah. come back in just a minute and talk more with Jim and Bobby on South America today. But right now, let's listen to a song by A.K. Holt. It's called Dream of Horses. And uh, we'll come back on Saddle of America in just a minute. Little boy tugged at his mama's hand to get that pony ride. A little scared when he climbed on, but when it was over, he cried. All the way home in the car, he chanted that pony's name. Now every Christmas and birthday, his wish list is the same. He dreams of horses, and he. Climbing right back on Shovel stalls hot hay in the snow Fed horses before dawn School bell rings when she's at the gate Calling that pony's name Years will come and years will go 
draw people in, I think. Um, he's probably covered more miles on the trail in the backcountry than anybody living today. Wow. Um, a dear friend, Bobby Tanner, uh, is going to be talking all about the famous 20 Mule Team and also how that unique uh, jerk line works. This is how Teamsters drove mules all by themselves, big freight teams of mules across the desert, one guy driving and one guy working the brakes for days on end traveling across the Mojave Desert. So he's going to demonstrate how that works. And then we have another gentleman who traces directly back to the past, Reed Hopkins, who runs an organization called One Spade Youth Packers, and he runs an incredible operation bringing youth from, from the cities out to the out of doors and teaching them all about the history of packing. And he's going to teach about the, the Aparejo style of packing, which came from Mexico, came up through on the old, basically on the old Spanish trail is how it made its way to California. And it's a way that... Um, the Mexican uh, arreros, they were called, would pack mules for freighting. Um, the army adopted that style of packing. It was used by miners throughout the 19th century and early 20th century to pack heavy freight into mountain mines. So he's going to demonstrate that. It's going to be a little more low-key than a parade, but it's going to be pretty darn unique, something you wouldn't see mm-hmm. anywhere else. To have those that sounds great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. We also it does have sound great. We have a junior packer workshop planned by some local area packers that are kind of the young generation coming up, and they're going to be mentoring and teaching young kids all about handling mules and how you pack a mule. And the idea is just to get kids away from screens, get them away from technology, and connect with a living, breathing animal and learn about traditional skills and how you too can travel in the mountains and just kind of, I don't know if this is everywhere, but it sure seems like in a lot of places, more and more youth are urbanized, and this has been a goal of Mule Days for many years, is to get kids away from that thinking just a little bit and expose them to something different. And our I Want to Be a Packer program has been really successful, but we can't have that this year because it's a little too close contact. So wow. we have this junior pack workshop spread all over the track where kids get to pack real live mules and learn from older packers that are in college or or kind of the the next generation of of packers coming up so it's kind of a neat mentorship program too so we're pretty excited about it Mm -hmm. that is is fantastic but how long how how long have you guys been packing you and your husband so both yeah both lee and i are second well he's third generation i'm second generation so our whole lives um and Lee, maybe I've said this before, but we also, we both grew up in the commercial packing industry, but he's also packed for the Forest Service for about 20-plus years. As okay. well, both of us have, have done a lot of government contracting. So we travel all over the West uh, supporting whether it's the Forest Service, the Park Service, or municipalities that have hydrostructures and wilderness or the USGS that has wilderness areas they have to access for study. So we've been all over the West packing and um, traveled tens of thousands of miles, I would suspect. So a lot of time, a lot of years. Wow, wow. I've got uh, I've three stepdaughters that are working this year with the, with the Forest Service. And uh, I, nice. need, I need to get... I need to get them working with some mules or something so they can come help me with my horses. <laughs> that would be <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Oh <laughs> uh, gosh. 
tell them to look up the Pack Stock Center of Excellence in the Southwest Pacific region. Lee and one of his uh, cohorts in the Forest Service built that, and it's a oh, region-wide wow. packing program. Yeah, it's it's meant to mentor. Uh, employees or individuals coming into government service that want to learn about these traditional skills and keep them alive, quite frankly. Well, you know, we talk a lot with the uh, Backcountry Enforcement of America have been guests on our show for eight years now. And yeah. Uh, and, yeah. So we, we talk a lot about uh, packing and programs to get the youth involved, but it sounds like you're really doing a good job of doing that with Mule Day, and, and I guess more than just Mule Day, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, we work with Backcountry Horsemen of California a lot with uh, not only us as commercial packers, but with the Pack Stock Center of Excellence. We work together, and my husband working with the Backcountry Horsemen of California have developed an internship program. So it's really been a neat way to, uh, for Backcountry Horsemen to kind of partner with a number of different groups, including the Forest Service, to get yeah. people into this kind of thinking, thinking about mules, thinking about a career in the in the in the outdoors, right? And um, right. using these traditional skills. And I'll tell you, kids are kids are receptive. They got this year for their internship program applications from as far east as Oklahoma, as far north as Montana, and Washington and um, all over the all over the West. So oh, that's I'm pretty great. excited. About that. Yeah. In fact, that one is... of the guys that's running our our Mule Museum auction at Mule Days on Saturday morning, he's one of our Backcountry Horsemen uh, presidents uh, here in California. So he's president of a chapter in the San Joaquin Valley. So big fans of packing, and we work together a lot. Mule Days, Backcountry Horsemen, Forest Service, uh, commercial oh, packers. That's fantastic. That is so. So people that want to come to Mule Day, uh, yep. do they need to get tickets in advance? Do you have camping uh, available for people who want to come in? Sure, or sure. yeah. So of course we're in this darn thing out here with the blueprint for a safer economy. We have capacity right. limits. Um, So the fairgrounds itself, there's plenty of room for spacing. We have a COVID protocol. It's plenty safe. Uh, But for the fairgrounds itself, there's very few limitations just because the particular limitation is based on square footage, and we've got plenty of room. So if you want to call the office, people can visit the website, muledays.org, or call the office because you do have to make reservations for tickets to watch the show. And um, right Right now, I think our grandstand is already at capacity, but as we change in the tier structure, we'll probably get more capacity by about mid-May. So people do want to call 760-872. Oh, now I'm going to forget. Hold on. Okay. 872-4263. So that's 872-4263. And uh, or if they go to muledays.org, they'll see the phone number there. And uh, okay. we've got a couple of staff members and a bunch of volunteers right now answering phones. We only have four lines, but we're doing doing the best we can. We're getting a lot of our viewers to attend. You know, it's like people are coming back to life and they want something to do, and we want to make that opportunity available to people to let's let's be back. Let, it's time for the world to open up, right? So well, it is. We want, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so we want people to come out here. The Eastern Sierra has got glorious fresh air. 
we're we're a bit in the high desert, but we're right at the base of the eastern high Sierra Nevada mountain range, and you couldn't get a more glorious place to be safe and be in the out of doors and get some fresh, fresh, crisp mountain air. All right. Hey, if I were flying, where would I fly into? Probably Reno or Las Vegas. Okay. Reno is only about three and a half hours away. Uh, Las Vegas is about four. L.A. is about four and a half. Uh, but uh, Reno would be the best. Okay. Okay. Well. Bobby, now we need now we know how we need to get there, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no just, just saying. Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. Next so, year. Next year. All right. That's right. So give us give us the date again for this year. Okay. So this year we're May 25th through the 30th, and uh, that'll start on Tuesday, and it goes through Memorial Day weekend. And I should say we take uh, quite a bit of time out uh, over the week, and especially on Sunday, to recognize our veterans, certainly those active, certainly those who are retired, but most definitely those who have passed. And uh, we pay special attention to Memorial Day. So we're May 25th through the 30th, just before Memorial Day. And then uh, for information, call the office, 760-872-4263. Okay. And the website again? MuleDays.org. That should be easy, MuleDays.org. <laughs> so, hey, Jen, come back, come back next year and let's talk about this again, can we? we you bet. I would love to because we're going to be back with a whole bunch of new stuff next year. All right. All right. Well, we appreciate you being here and uh, we look forward to hope hopefully you'll have a great mule day even with the challenges that are being faced this year and then next year it's going to be a whole different world because we'll all you be betcha. vaccinated and ready to go. So that'll be a you good betcha. thing. That'll be well, a good I thing. You I agree and I thank you guys so much Bobby. Thank you Gary. Thank you and congratulations to you and your beautiful wife Mary Kay and um oh, just can't wait you. to meet you guys out here. <laughs> well, we look forward to it. So we're going to okay. we're going to take a break. We're going to listen to a song by Gary McMahon called The Old Double Diamond. Jen, everybody has recorded this song from Ian Tyson to Chris Ledoux to I don't know how many hundreds of but Gary told me this paid for his ranch. But this is one called <laughs> Double Diamond, and it's a great song. Jen, thanks so much Love for it. being with us today. Thanks. Thank you. He always rode good horses from my memory as a kid. I wanted all of mine to work the way he's always but my youthful lack of patience so often got me through. That same old lack of patience in my horse explained the show. So I sat down at the drawing board he had built throughout the years. His words, though not abrasive, only reinforced my fears. Trust ain't freely given, it's elusive, slowly earned. A man's a mirror image of the things his horses learn. Surgeon's knife. 
And uh, so that's about a month and a half away for Tennessee East at the Circley Guest Ranch in Manchester, Winchester, Tennessee. And uh, so we'd invite you to check out our website at equestrianlegacy.net for Rendezvous 2021. And then in September, we'll be at uh, Bryce Canyon in Utah for Rendezvous West. So be sure to check out equestrianlegacy.net and find out all the information to make reservations. And again, we're raising money for uh, veterans with PTSD and for the Mustangs. So it all goes to a good cause. Uh, who do we have on next week? I have totally forgotten. Um, next week we're into May. It's either yeah. Peggy. Mal- I think it's Peggy Malone. Oh gosh, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Um, uh, talk a moment about something else, and I'm going to get that information. <laughs> Well, we have another great month of entertainers and horsemanship that we'll be having on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network, and uh, and we book ahead. Yeah, we book ahead. So sometimes we just kind of forget. So who's next week? Okay, so the May sixth, David Wilkie and Denise with Nell Celtic Cowboy. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited! They sent us all kinds of great music. May thirteenth is our good friend Peggy Malone. May 20th, Ryan Fritz with a brand new um, album, which I downloaded yesterday, and it's great. And May 27th, Many Strings and Company. Now, that's the Campfire Cafe portion of the month. Okay. All right. All right. So, it's going to be a lot of fun. Cowboy Celtic is in Canada, and they'll be joining us. Ryan Fritz is in Canada, and he'll be joining us. Of course, uh, our, our other good friends, Many Strings, we just ran into them up in Utah the other day and so um it's going to be a lot of fun a lot of great music a lot of entertainment during the month of may and uh it's a lot of fun talking with all these different entertainers sharing their music and and then all of the folks that are in the horse world and it's just it's just a ton of fun i couldn't have a better job bobby it's (laughs) i think there's nothing like radio It's it's just too much fun. Well, we're going to close things out. you have a closing thought for us today? Oh, I do. Um, I do. Um, I I, I, I had to get get back to Lacey J. Dalton's homepage. (laughs) I thought this was a great quote, and it's right on her homepage. None of our lives matter until the least of us matter. In other words, inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, he may have done it unto me, Matthew twenty-five forty. Well, you can't always get a good quote when you go back to the Bible and the scriptures, so that's a, that's a good thing. Well, it's been a lot of fun, and we're going to close out the show today with a great poem from our good friend Jay Snyder. I, at least I hope that that's what this is going to be. <laughs> it's, it's, called, it's called The Good Old Cowboy Days, and I thought this was a great way to close the show. And, Bobby, we'll see you next week on the radio all right sounds good my fancy drifts as often through the murky misty maze of the past uh, other seasons to the good old cowboy days when the grass was green and waving and the skies was soft and blue and the men was brave and loyal the women fair and true the old time cowboy hears the hymn from the hired hand to the boss is 
soul was free from envy and his heart was free from dross. And deep within his nature, which was rugged, high and bold, ran a vein of metal, and the metal men was gold. While he'd stand up drunk or sober again a thousand for his rights, he'd sometimes close an argument by shooting out the lights. And if there was a killing by the quickest on the draw, he weren't disposed to quibble about the majesty of law. But a thief, a low-down villain, while he had no use for him, was mighty apt to leave him dangling from a handy limb. He was healed and always ready, quick with pistol or with knife, but he never shirked a danger or a duty in his life. And at a tale of sorrow or of innocence beguiled, his heart was just as tender as the heart of any child. And woman, while her honor was a sacred thing in Hensey, threw his arms around her in a figurative sense. His home was yours where it was, and open stood the door whose hinges never closed upon the needy or the poor. And high or low, it mattered not the time, if night or day, a stranger found a welcome just as long as he would stay. He was honest to the marrow, and his bond was in his word. He paid for every critter that he cut into his herd. And take your note because he loaned a friend a little pelf. No, sir, indeed, he thought you was as worthy as himself. And when you came and paid it back as proper was in meat, you trod upon forbidden ground to ask for a receipt. In former case, you paid the debt, there weren't no interest due, and in the latter chances are he'd put a hole through you. While the old-time cowboy had his faults, just true as has been said, he'd look upon the liquor when the liquor men was red. His language weren't always spoke according to the rule, nor was it such as you'd expect to hear in Sunday school. But when he went to meeting men, he'd never yawn nor doze, nor sat there taking notice of the congregation's clothes. He'd listen to the preacher with respect in all of that. He never failed to Annie when he passed around the hat. I called to mind the tournament. And then the ball at night of how old Porter drawed the bow and sawed with all his might. And how they danced, the boys and girls, and how that one was there with rosy cheeks and hazel eyes and golden curly hair. Oh, but now I'm touching on a mighty tender spot that boyhood love at this late date had better be forgot. But still my memory takes me back again and fondly strays amidst those dear remembered scenes good old cowboy days the old time cowboy was a man all over do you hear me men I somehow kind of figure we'll not see his like again the few that's left are older now their hair is mostly white their forms are not so active and their eyes are not so bright as when the grass was waving green the skies was soft and blue and the Men was brave and loyal, the women fair and true. And the land was filled with plenty, and the range was free to graze. And we all rode as brothers in the good old cowboy days.